Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody, it's May 8th, 2019, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day. And welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. You're listening to episode number 389. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me this week is, of course, Mr. Bob Ryer. Is this still free comic book day? Not anymore. Oh. Joey. We can just drop spoilers anywhere now. Anywhere. And return from her trip. To the dreaded United States and Canada, Sarah Miles. All right, everybody, here is the deal. We have a massive, massive show, probably too much stuff on the list to get to today. Uh, you'll find out more about it soon. I'm not going to name everything, but we also have our lightning rounds. We have a little bit of open discussion. Uh, we're going to talk about that new Spider-Man trailer. So... If you have not seen Endgame or you have not watched it, you should probably do that within the span of listening to this podcast and then come back. (laughs) Uh, As far as news, we're going to quickly hit up the 2019 Eisner Award nominations. Talk about that a little bit. And uh, all kinds of surprises in store for all of you, our fine listeners. All right, let's get into this thing. So... Sarah, why don't you just give us the Cliff's Notes version of the rest of your trip? Cliff Notes versions. Okay, it takes a really long time to drive from London, Ontario to Long Island. Yeah, it does. Um, but it was a super fun drive, and we took a weird diversion because we saw a sign that looked fun, and then we realized we were in the start of a horror movie. So oh. we decided not to get killed and carried on to Long Island. Um, I ate Cheetos for the first time. That was a thing that happened. What? <laughs> yeah. Yes. She. Um, hold on a minute. Let's let's just stop for a second and tell everybody that Sarah ate a bagel for the first time when she was at my house. I served her her first bagel. Wow. It was it was it was gorgeous and outstanding and I absolutely loved it. And now I have to move to New York for the bagels. Sorry, Steve. Point for America. No, you don't. Yeah, All she right. had she had she had kosher bagels. She had an actual Medford. bagel. That one, oh, Canada bagels, boiled, <laughs> boiled, and then crunchy and all that goodness. I love Canada to pieces. They do not know how to do bagels. Uh, <laughs> all right, Sarah, continue. Um, other stuff that we did, we went into New York City. I went to the nine eleven memorial and uh, cried a lot. And then Dan very kindly drove us through Times Square. Like you do in his super gorgeous car. And then he drove us past all of the theatres and I took loads of touristy photos and got a bit excited. Um, And we had an awesome 
Talking Comics meetup um, last Friday. Joey came in, Melissa came down, Carolyn came down. We had a great time. Beer was drunk. Pretzels bigger than my head were consumed. Ice cream was all smushed up and eaten. It was awesome. So um, thank you so much to Joey and Melissa and Carolyn for coming out. It was a great time. Um, Obviously, Bob was there showing us around Huntington. Um, Jess and Dan were there. Really, really good time. And then we did some other stuff that involved Free Comic Book Day, which... We're going to talk about shortly. Um, yeah. And also, Jess's puppies are gorgeous and amazing, and I love them. <laughs> That's well, all I got. While, while Sarah was in Huntington, we got there a little before everybody else to make sure, well, A, we could get a table when the a place little, opened we before. Were there for hours. <laughs> yes, but we, we also we went to the book review, which cost everyone money. We went to yes, Escape Pod Comics, which cost Sarah money. <laughs> yes, it did. But while we were there, Sarah also had that New York specialty, the egg cream. She had her yeah, first egg cream. contains neither egg nor cream. Exactly. Yeah, egg <laughs> creams don't excite me. I'm sorry. Oh, Bob, yeah, no, Bob, Bob loves them. The, he talks about them all the, the time. Yeah. I also had a chicken pot pie because I wasn't really sure what a pot pie was. Turns out it's a pie. Um, it was also insanely huge. What is up with your portion control, what, people? What do you have in England? Is my question. <laughs> Meat pie. Pie. We have pie. Yeah. We just call it pie. Boiled pie. Yeah. Boiled pie. <laughs> it's <still> boiled. It's, <laughs> it's baked in the oven. We just don't call it a pot pie. We just call it a pie. But because that's what it is, it's right? A it's a, it's a, yeah. yeah. Well, there was. I think at one point in the olden days, they were baked in cast iron pots in an oven. So they're a pot pie. The I'm conversations. Think, think, oh, go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. I just the conversations that we had about food while Sarah was here oh, are some God. of my favorite parts. I forgot of the, the trip. most important thing that happened. What's that? I ate Kraft mac and cheese. Oh yes. Oh, you did. She, oh, she Jessica served that. it up for you. Um, actually, technically, Jess's sister did. So, um. Okay. Jess and her sister-in-law and I went for brunch and we had mimosas and then we did a little bit of day drinking and then we went back to Jess's house and cracked a bottle of wine open and then like her baby sister came in and um, said something about mac and cheese and we were like, yes, mac and cheese. And we were a little bit too enthusiastic, which may or may not have been related to um, said day drinking. So yeah, I had mac and cheese. Yeah. And, and what do, the, what the verdict? Think? Um, and I can still taste the chemicals. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, there you the go. flip side the of all idea. this is Sarah did bring me some of them jelly babies. Yeah, those are good. <laughs> yep. They are amazing. I've been eating they them are. all week. I've been popping these jelly babies. They are the most amazing Dude. jelly snacks I've ever had. Do you know what they t- they taste exactly like? I had like four of them the other day. They taste like sun-kissed g- gems. Mm. Those little like round sugary jelly sun-kissed candies. If anybody listening to the show remembers those things, yeah. that's what jelly babies taste like. Yeah. Yeah. They're very dense. I love them. They're fantastic. Oh, no, they're amazing. Awesome. With that said, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't w- trade them for a bagel. I'll take a bagel any day. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but just, I can post you jelly babies and they'll arrive edible. If you post me bagels, they'll just be nasty. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, just track down yeah. some sun-kissed gems, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, on Saturday, we also, leaving androids, went around the corner. We'll get into real brief comic books later, but we're doing the foodie part of it. Around the corner from androids is the 
Seville Outlet for or Umberto's of New Hyde Park, one of the best pizzerias around here. And Sarah, I got to say, you're a New York pizza eating champ. She has the fold, right? You yeah. know, she's got the whole thing going on. You got a fold. Got a fold. Got a fold. Got How a is fold. she going to eat pizza? Some people knife and fork it, even on a regular slice. Depends on what's on it. Yeah, if it's a house special. Yeah, but it was that's a good plain slice down there. I get one every it was Wednesday. A very nice piece of pizza, I will say that. <laughs> yeah. And the right Italian now. chap behind the counter was a delight. Yes. <laughs> directly directly from Naples. No, he's he's from the other side. Very authentic. Go. Very All authentic. All right. Let's see. Okay, wait. Let's 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 stay with the group here. Why don't you tell me tell me about your free comic book days? Uh, let's start with Sarah. So obviously, I wasn't going to go to my local comic shop because that would have been a bit of a trek. So I went down to Androids with Jess and Dan and Bob and um, met basically everyone. It was like going into Cheers, but for yeah. Jess, <laughs> it was hilarious. She knows everybody down there. Um, absolutely lovely shop really really nice everyone was super friendly um i met anthony that runs the store and i met james who quite often gets mentioned on the show by jess um (laughs) and i met hunter who also works there and they were all super nice loads of customers were saying lovely things about the store about jess about the podcasts um and i didn't actually pick up any of the free comics because i'm insane but i did pick up three volumes of lock and key that i didn't have at home and both volumes of donny kate's baby teeth because yeah i they they did issue one as free comic book day a couple of years back and i keep kept on going i'm gonna pick that up i'm gonna pick that up and then i never did it's really good um and essentially half the weight of my luggage home was books because i don't have an off switch when it comes to buying things Mm -hmm. Um, and I also got a couple of cute little lanyards for my keys and passes when I go to cons and things. Um, but just such a really, really nice crowd of people. Everyone was really welcoming. So many people in the store as well, um, which was absolutely brilliant to see. Absolutely tons of people down at Androids. Um, so, yeah, that was my free comic book day. Nice. Uh, as a quick side note, if you want to read something else that's also really good, um Black Eyed Kids, B-E-K, is also, uh, it takes place in the Baby Teeth universe. Ooh. It's, a, it's a shared, yeah, it's a shared thing. They make mention of characters and stuff like that. And B-E-K is awesome. So if you want to. And that just cost me more money. Uh, you can, no, use my account. It's in there. Okay. Well, that's why it's there. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, what, oh, uh, how was your free comic book then? Good. Well, I had two of them because while I was at Androids with Jess and Dan and Sarah and everybody on Earth, it seemed like in Sayville, Medford, Patchogue, but they're all in the store. I picked up, let's see, Our Favorite Thing is My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emile Ferris, which is it's a making of. It was a little thing she also did for a young adult magazine, as well as a new chapter in the my favorite thing is monsters story that may or may not be in the next volume that's coming out (gasps) also got a the new lumberjanes which was lovely and james recommended something called dragonfly and dragonfly man which (laughs) is from ahoy comics which they were describing as picture it as 
the Adam West Batman and the Christian Bale Batman exchange universes and have shenanigans. Well, okay. I'm for that. So, yeah. So I, I, I picked up that. I haven't gotten to read any of them yet, but they're all right here. I also had to buy a copy of Black Widow 4 because I ruined mine. It got some sneeze on it. I heard about that. So I, <laughs> so I had to buy a new copy, of which ended up on the internet somehow. Which, which, which did get a lovely retweet from Jen and Sylvia as they said that my original copy died a warrior's death. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had a lovely Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday, uh, Skate Pod Comics up in Huntington, where we had gone on Friday, he does free comic book Sunday. And uh, everyone gets five books. If you come in costume, you get seven and he had a whole range of guests who included Ryan North, the writer of Squirrel Girl, mm. who was very happy to hear about how well his book did with us last year, who signed my Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe right under oh. Erica's right under Erica's signature and a little drawing of a of an acorn. And he also so he signed it by he says he's a really terrible artist, but he, he knows how to draw really cute, quick squirrel girls. So he threw one of those into into my book. Also up there was Isaac Goodhart, who does who did the uh, new Catwoman young adult novel, who was very very pleasant and friend of the pod. Kristen Gudsnuck was there. Yay! And so she Yay! signed she signed my modern fantasy and drew a Bakdar. She was doing sketches, so on a blank Wonder Woman cover, she did me a really lovely black and white Wonder Woman. Man. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Yes, and her new volume of Making Friends, called Back to the Drawing Board, (gasps) will be out in July. (gasps) Ooh. So, uh, also while I was up at Escape Pod, I met uh, my friend Angela and her little daughter Diana, who came up, and they... Had a great time talking to Ryan and uh, Kristen and got stuff sketched and signed. And they walked out of there with a pile of stuff. Squirrel right. girl squirrel girl stuff and making friends. And uh, little Diana basically read all of them by the end of the weekend. Nice. That's awesome. She's just like, I, 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 and then she, Angela told me that Diana said to her, I wish I'd stayed and talked to Kristen more. She's so nice. Aww. Yes, yes, she is. Well, you'll have plenty of other chances. Oh, comics bringing people together. Absolutely, especially when you get those young people involved. There you go, Joey. Yeah, as as we all know on the pod, uh, my local shop died a sad death a couple of summers ago. So uh, I've been a little kind of out of sorts with Free Comic Book Day over the last couple of years. But what I was able to do this this year was I, I drove back down to my hometown uh, for free comic book day. It just worked out with my schedule. And uh, I stopped by one of the old shops I used to go to all the time, Main Street Comics in Milltown, New Jersey. Great shop. It's been around for a, a while. Um, and I was able to pick up a bunch of, of the free comics this year. Uh, I picked up the Avengers one. I picked up the... The Lumberjanes one, the Buffy and Firefly one from Boom. Mm. Really excited about that. Riverdale as well. Um, but my two favorites were I picked up the Lauren Miracle Under the Moon Catwoman Tale one. Yeah. Um, this was really, really cool. Looks great. Definitely worth worth checking out when the full thing comes out. And my favorite one was Dear Justice League. 
by Michael I, Northup I, and Gustavo Duarte. Did you yes. pick this one up, Bob? I didn't. I didn't. It but is, I, I, I was reading Diana's. Yes, it's it lovely. It is so good. Yeah. <laughs> the first story is this little boy. The whole, the whole, the whole final volume is going to be these like dear superhero, dear Justice League stories. Yep. And the first one is this little boy who sends a message to Superman, dear Superman. You're super, right? I mean, it's right there in your name. But are you super all the time? What I mean is, have you ever messed up? I mean, big time? Because I have big time. You're a non-super fan, Ben Silsby. And it's just this shot of this little kid covered in mud and he broke the lawnmower. It's the cutest (laughs) ever. And then what's great about it is, is Superman gets the text. And because he's reading the text message, he causes this chain of events that is just hilariously terrible. Like he jumps into a building and then the building knocks over the window washer and the window washer falls down and he has to catch the window washer and the window water falls on these dogs and the dogs chase a cat. And it's just this chain of events. It's so funny and wonderful. Um, and I was glad to, to pick this stuff up. In terms of buying books, because, you know, you go for free comic book day, it's important to support the shop and buy some books as well. I was finally able to get a hard copy of New Front, um, of uh, DC New Frontier. The whole collection. I've had it digital for a while and I've just really wanted a hard copy of it. And they had Mm -hmm. one left and I saw it on the shelf and I was like, give me that book. So I got it. That was great. Um, I got, I got Mary Shelley monster hunter. I picked it up. They had one number one left. I wanted to read it. Uh, they had a copy of the, uh, Kitty pride versus the, um, the aliens on Christmas. Uh, one forty three. Yep. Great. Merry Christmas, X-Men. Fantastic, fantastic mm-hmm. issue here. Um, so they have one of those in the in the, in the the uh, back issue boxes um, wrapped up. So I grabbed that, and I picked up the trade of Motor Girl, um, which oh, I'm great super, yeah, super excited yeah. to reread it, especially because uh, um, Five Years came out this mm-hmm. past week, which I know, Steve, you read. I wasn't able to read it, partly because I was like, I want to read Motor Girl again first. Yes. Um, so I, yes. I want to make sure that I do that before I, I check out um, five years too. It was great. I loved it. I love Free Comic Book Day. When I got there, everyone was leaving, and I was like, "Oh no!" And I was like alone in the shop for a good like five minutes to like oh. find things for myself. And then five minutes later, it was just a, a deluge of people just like came in, and there were all these kids and adults just looking through the back back box back issue boxes and pulling down all the funko pops and grabbing all these issues from all over the place spider-man spider-gwen all these great great times i love free comic book day it's super fun and then after that i drove to my local my mom was working our uh local library's annual used book sale all right. Um, yeah, she texted me and I was like, "Oh, I can't come today. It's free comic book day." And she goes, "Come to li- let's come to the library and buy books." And I was like, "All right, fine, whatever." Um, <laughs> so I went and uh, they had some comics there, but instead I just bought a, a bunch of other books as well. Um, it was just a, a huge weekend of reading and books and spending money on words, and I loved it. Um, and she said that she recommended our podcast to many of the people that came to the store. Oh. To the store, to the to the sale uh, that were interested awesome. in comics. Yeah. Thank you, Jerry's mom. Yes. Yeah. We want you on the show soon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never gonna happen. Wow. Those are those are three really great free comic book stories. <laughs> I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> and in Canada. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, so being the the fine 
fine leader of this Talking Comics podcast that I am, I forgot that it was free comic book day. (laughs) (laughs) With all this stuff going on, with everybody being here, with being exhausted, with trying to catch up with work and everything, I just didn't even think about it. So what I did was I went to the store the day before and bought a couple of things. So I get partial credit, maybe. Yeah. Um, Did it give you any of the free books early? No, but I could I could go in there and if they have leftovers, I can cherry pick from whatever, uh, most likely. But I did pick up the final deluxe volume of Nailbiter. So those look really nice. The three of them together, you press them together and like the blood spatter pattern reaches across all three volumes. It's really nice. (laughs) Um, I picked up and I'll talk talk about this very soon. Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me from uh, I I haven't read it yet. And uh, Rosemary Valero O'Connell. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. I uh, I haven't read it yet. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to tell you what I thought about it. Mm. Uh, I picked up the first, the number one, volume two of Spencer and Locke. Shout out to uh, for that. And uh, if you haven't picked up your copy, go do so. And I picked up our uh, Aquaman that was in the box. So I got a couple of things. But I woke up the next morning and I was really exhausted. And I, I got up, and I looked at my phone and I saw them tweeting. And I just, instead of letting people in the front of the store, they were letting people through the back. I've been back there. I know how big that parking lot is. And it was just this army of people going back, back, back through that parking lot in the rain with their umbrellas. And I just took one look at that scenario and just went back to sleep. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. I'm a shitty comic book fan. My apologies. Oh, you you have stuff going on. Here's the thing that I I can't speak for what anyone else's crowd was like, but you you've got a picture of one. In the two stores I went to, what was the best thing for me were how many kids there were. It, it, at Escape Pod, there was this one one dad who had a her, his daughter was nine or ten. He made her Ms. Marvel costume. He said it's just a prototype. But there were kids everywhere. Lots of kids at Androids. Kids at Escape Pod, certainly. I'm, I'm sure Sarah and Joey, you know, you would probably can say the same. Steve, what, in your crowd, any in the pictures? We had some little ones? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've, yeah. I've been there years past. And it's, I mean, it's practically everybody in the city shows up for this. Mm-hmm. You know, their their line is, is for days and for for miles or kilometers if you will <laughs> and yeah but, but I know sarah, yeah sarah we at android saw tons of little little fellas and little girls and all over the place there was there yeah. was one little kid that we saw um when we were coming out of the pizza place to go back to androids yes. jess and her sister-in-law andrea and i were like going mad for this little kitty's raincoat because it had dinosaur and pizzas on it yes. and then his dad brought him to the comic book shop and it was the best yeah pizzasaurus rex <laughs> On, what, it was like a pink, a pink, a pink rain slicker, right? No, it was it was it was blue, but it had three different types of dinosaur right, right, and two different blue, types right. of pizza. It was very exciting. <laughs> sounds good. Yes. All right, that sounds amazing. Let's uh, hit our last banter topic. 
Sarah, why don't you tell us you went to Portsmouth Comic Con the minute you touched down? <laughs> uh, yes, because I am a sane human being. My flight took off from JFK at uh, approximately 10 o'clock in the evening on Saturday um, US Whoa. time and landed. We actually landed half an hour early. We landed at half past nine hey. UK time, um, which was half past four in the morning US time. And fun fact, Sarah doesn't sleep on airplanes. Oh, um, no. Um, no. So um, on UK time, I had been up since approximately 5 a.m. Saturday, got yeah. off the plane, Went to get on my train, spilt coffee on my bag, got on my train and found out that as soon as I got to Chichester, where I live, there were no trains running to Portsmouth. It was rail replacement buses because they decided they do work on the rails. So I um, sent out some texts to some friends and one of my friends very kindly picked me up from the train in his tiny, tiny car that my giant book filled suitcase barely fit in, (laughs) drove me back to my flat to refill my coffee and pick up my car. I then drove straight to Portsmouth, um, got to the convention at about half past one, went into, basically they'd taken over the whole of the Guild Hall in Portsmouth, which is um, a big old theatre type building with lots of little rooms. They also had a giant marquee out the front. So I went straight to the marquee because I knew that a friend of mine um, was tabling, which was um, Matt Hardy from Mad Robot Comics. He took one look at me and just laughed and was like, you look like a zombie. I was like, I know, I am made of nothing but caffeine and fruit pastels at this point um but everybody was super nice i got to have a little chat with liam sharp who is officially the nicest man in comics um he gave me the biggest hug and he was like you're hilarious what are you doing i was like i really wanted to come and say hello and i haven't slept for about 30 hours Um, (laughs) so he was super lovely and i bought some prints from him um did he have the other three covers uh, he had he had the three covers that I already have, and he was very confused because um, he remembered that I had tweeted out my picture of those three covers framed on my wall. And I said, well, these aren't actually for me. They are for um, a listener to the podcast who may hear this and realize that that's why I've asked for his address. Um, um and because I said that to him, he just picked up copies of the other three prints that he had and was like, well, these ones are for you then. You can have these oh. ones because that's really of you. So I've now got like the most epic Hawkman print and um, uh, a Green Lantern. And I can't even remember what the other one is because I've been so busy since I got back on Sunday that I haven't even opened my purchases. Um, then I went and had a chat with... Kieran Gillen, who, um, we, <laughs> he, he had a lady at his table and I don't think she really knew who he was. And he was kind of trying to explain die to her. Oh, please. Um, and then he, he could see that I was like standing there obviously wanting to speak to him so he kind of involved me in the conversation um and we were talking to this lady about die and i basically said if you kind of look at this as a stage of life like wictiv is kind of your teens and your early 20s when you're going out and you're partying and you're having fun die is the midlife crisis that you have somewhere between 35 and 45 um and he just looked at me he was like i'm so glad you understand where i was going with this i was like yeah 
thanks for putting my midlife crisis in a book so I have to read it and see what I've done with my life and he high-fived me so hard I swear my hand still hurts um but anyway he was really lovely and everybody was really lovely and I spent lots of money I don't have on lots of artwork that I don't need um which I will be putting on my Instagram at some point this week so that I remember to get frames for it all um, and it was a really good time. It wasn't as busy as it was last year, oh. but loads of feedback from everybody said that the Saturday was absolutely packed. Everybody I spoke to was saying the Saturday was just mad with people, loads of families, loads of children, loads of cosplay. Um, obviously, by the time I got there, it was like the middle of the Sunday afternoon. So it was kind of winding down a bit anyway. But it was still really good to see lots and lots of cosplayers out. Um, saw a fair number of people that I know from my local comic shop who'd all popped in. So that was really good. Um, they had lots of random things, a DeLorean, a Bumblebee. Um, there was a TARDIS and a Cyberman and um, a Dalek because, you know, why wouldn't there be? Um, yeah, so pr- pretty good all in all. Not as big a turnout, I don't think, as last year. But then last year... They had some pretty big guests over from the States. And this year, there weren't people that non-comics people would know as much, I don't think. Um, but I high five Kieran Gillen and Liam Sharp hugged me. So I had an amazing time. <laughs> and then I came home and slept forever. Yeah, you slept for what, like 12 hours? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I actually got home, sat down on the sofa went to start sending messages to people to say I was home okay and then woke up four hours later um realized there was no food in my house got a takeaway failed to eat my takeaway and went to bed for like another 12 hours so yeah it was it was good times good times all right moving right along we should do some lightning rounds shazam <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, 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 yeah, let's just go in the order that we have here. Uh, Bob, would you care to go first? No. All right, I'll go. Do you want no, me to go no, first? I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm oh, what, am I going I'll or is Bob going? Steve, you're going? I'm good. I'm good. Who's on first? <laughs> I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a damn. Yes, I'm, I'm good, Steve. I'm just All right. Kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for you and go. Well, I promised Murder Cupid, so let's get right to Wonder Woman number 69 by G. Willow Wilson, which, by the way, features lovely art by Sermonico with colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Something odd is going on in Summer Grove, Connecticut, as it seems everyone's emotions are out in the open. And when Diana tries to intervene as a man threatens to hit his wife, it's the attack of the Murder Cupids! Aphrodite <laughs> attempts to quell the, the uprising, but it seems that her child... Atlantides holds more sway. Another fun issue uh, still has deeper levels. And not that Ms. Wilson's stories have ever needed elevating, but for the first time in a while, the art here by Sermonico doesn't detract from the story. This is just special. Uh, Fantastic Four number nine, Dan Slott, art by Aaron Kudas, Stefano Caselli, and Paco Medina, brings us the finale of our first Dr. Dumark, and it was glorious as we see the FF as the family slash team where everyone plays a role, even the kids. With a nice cameo by some characters from John Byrne's Fantastic Four number 239, which tells of Wendy's friends, one I highly recommend checking out. Uh, to quickly mention two stellar series that are both coming to an end soon, 
Paper Girls 28 by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang, and Giant Days 50 by John Allison and Max Aaron. Both had stunning cliffhangers that will have major consequences moving forward. Well, at least for the two and five issues, respectively, they have left. Marvel Team Up number two by Eve Ewing and Joey Vasquez had Ms. Marvel and Spider-Man in a mind-swapped situation. And with Kamala having a big science class presentation and Peter on a job interview, you can imagine there were some complications. Needless to say, this new Marvel team-up is off to a really good start with Ms. Ewing doing a nice job in capturing the Ms. Marvel vibe, so important as she will be the ongoing co-star in this book. On the teaming-up front, Marvel Rising number 2 by Neil Magruder, uh, uh, Roberto De Silva, Michelle Rosenberg, Clinton Cowles, featured Ms. Marvel, Squirrel Girl, America Chavez, Miles Morales, and Dante, a.k.a. Inferno, squaring off against a horde of Morgan Le Fay's thralls. Not to mention an army of giant rat creatures. Now, just tons and tons of personality, although just as in the first miniseries, it might read better as a trade. It's just sort of, it's, it's a lovely slow build, but I think you may be better off in the whole thing, but I'm digging it month by month. Another teaming up thing, Domino, Hot Shots 3, Gail Simone, David Baldion. It is... I mean, you've ratcheted up both the action and the emotion for Nina and her team as they go from what's, what appears to be certain death in a crash to facing off against AIM versions of Sentinels and an in-between romance in the air. As usual, Gail Simone is a, an absolute master of characterization, and so even in a book filled with, with humor, there are just lovely, lovely personal moments, too. Finally, it's Black Widow number four by Jen and Sylvia Saska. Yeah. Flaviano, Killers by Veronica Gandini. Hard to say too much, but the miscreants running the, the heinous no restraints play operation have captured Natasha, but that just means she has them exactly where she wants them. As the Twisted Winds promised, this is a Black Widow completely off the chain. Her anger regarding her own situation now focused in a stunning ballet of violence against those who would prey on those who can't protect themselves. Uh, to quote, uh, people who prey on children don't deserve restraint. They deserve me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's, that's when the camera zooms in and you hear the Quentin Tarantino music. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's a <laughs> Anyway, that's it for me. Oh boy, where to uh, where to where to go? Um, I'll I'll jump on to uh, Black Widow really quick. I I've I've loved every issue of this, but I think this one might have been my favorite. This had some really amazing moments, and I think the best artwork from Flaviano that I've seen on this series so far, there's so many amazing pages throughout this issue in particular, uh, that moment you were talking about, uh, before Bob, when she says, uh, they deserve me. Like that, that one panel is so insane. She looks, she looks psychotic. It's like, it's off the wall. Anyway. Um, yeah, this, this series has been so much fun is next issues. The last one. Yes. All right, 
Y'all better be buying this stuff. I want it's it. It's so good. I want that second arc with Bucky in it that they promised yeah, us when they were yeah. on the show that one time. <laughs> Trust me, we know what we're talking about. The recording doesn't stop when you think it does. Buy this book. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, the artwork in this one was the cleanest it's ever been. It is crisp. It is it is like kinetic. It just moves and moves and moves. The colors are amazing. My, I think my favorite Natasha haircut is this haircut. Uh, mm-hmm. She's got all these different do's and all the different books, but this this like just like I love it. It's fantastic. She's amazing, an amazing character, and the Saskas have a great handle on the voice. The twist ending, I was like, "Yo, what?" What? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what happens in the next issue. Mm. Uh, giant days. All I'll say is this: what happens at the beginning and what happens at the end of that issue, I called it. From the very first page, I knew something was going to go down. And for the, the, my entire read of that book, every turn of the page, I was on pins and needles. It is a beautifully orchestrated issue in how like jolly it is and how entertaining and bright and all of those things. And them playing the, the game and okay, yeah. coming together as a team and all of this stuff. Um, and for there to be there to be gears grinding in the background of that yeah. story and that event, and I just was like, "Damn it!" Like yeah. I knew I uh, we found uh, we found out this past the past couple of days that John Allison there um, Giant Days is going to be ending with issue number fifty five. So we're all a little devastated. We've loved this book for so long. Um, and I had felt it coming on. I said not too long ago, I was like, do you feel like this is coming to an end? And so it is. And so now I'm like, savoring every page and every interaction with these characters and the Max Saren artwork and how expressive it is. And, and thinking about the journey of all of the characters at this point, how many people I care about in this book. Yeah. And it's, it's just an, it's just amazing. It will, it will go down as one of my favorite series of all time for sure. Yeah, I, I'm trade waiting for that book, right? Uh, but issue 50 came and the announcement came and I was like, I, I need to read this and just see and so we could talk about it on the show. And I was reading and I was like, oh man, they're playing some cricket. This is fun. And I was like, I don't really know the rules, but it's cool. I'm having a good time. Um, and uh, then the issue ends and I was just emotionally devastated. And I was yeah. like, how did this happen? Oh yeah, it's giant days. Like, yeah. This is how this book works. And I, I love it. It is amazing. And talk about a book that has evolved and grown since it was going to be a six issue miniseries way back when uh, yeah. has now become 50 issues of of just some of the best comic book storytelling that's that's ever gone down in the medium so mm-hmm. i look forward to the the last few issues here yeah i look nice. forward but i dread uh i'll say too for paper girls really oh. quick <laughs> what an amazing issue um particularly in how it was laid out that you're getting four separate narratives uh, all happening at once. And so every page is divided into four panels across Mm -hmm. and you're constantly, you could read it two ways. You can go from top to bottom or you can, you can push the pages and read across. I did both. 
and then go back to the beginning and do it again, back to the beginning four times to get the whole story. But oh my god, for the last couple of pages of that issue, my my mouth was just open, and I was like, "What is even happening right now? This is so crazy!" And then it ends the way it ended. I just, (laughs) what do we have? Two issues left of this? Yes, it ends at thirty. Oh. Look at in, in the course of this summer, we lose Paper Girls, Giant Days, and Wicked and Divine, <laughs> and yeah. Avengers, and <laughs> Game of Thrones, and everything. Yeah, it's this all it. it's all coming. Yeah, but we just got a bunch of new Avatar and uh, Star Wars movies <sighs> announced today. Ah, come on, That's a thing everybody loves Avatar. Fantastic! Uh, I've Four never I've was... never seen it. Fantastic Four was super fun. I saw, wait, listen, not to to completely derail this whole thing, but look, I had an amazing time seeing Avatar in the theater. One of the most impressive 3D achievements I've ever witnessed. That and Coraline when it was in theaters. Joey, I thought you were going to say some fantastic 4E stuff. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. There you go. No, it was wonderful. I I had so much fun with Fantastic Four. We say it every, every, every month, but it is... uh, so great to have these characters back and so great to have these characters doing Fantastic Four like stories, right? The way Galactus is in here and the four of them coming together that opens with this great Sue Storm stuff. Uh, sorry, Susan Richards stuff. Um, and it is it is great. And the and the, the family is just an amazing unit. And and the handle on the voices, it's, it's so good. The one thing I'll say, and it's this thing that we say every month, I'm sick of trading off artists, man. Every issue yeah. looks different, and it's it's disappointing. Thankfully, they're getting great artists to do it, and it's fun and energetic, but I just wish this book had a consistent look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cooter's good. I would Cooter's mind. great. Like, just put yeah. Cooter on it for five issues. Like, yeah. That'd be wonderful, but uh, we're bouncing back and forth, and this issue, I think, had two or three artists on it. Yes. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it it, it, it it's... It's disappointing that what really is one of Marvel's marquee books, no matter how many Avengers books they put out there, people are going to pick up Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. Um, it's, a, it's a pity that Fantastic Four can't have that kind of regular art uh, on it. Yeah, I was hoping for Sarah Pacelli being on for the long haul, but that mm. didn't seem likely even early on. But I'm with you, Joey. It, w- it, would, it would help. Or if you did the Kelly Sue thing with her first Captain Marvel run where each artist did a run that matched their style. Sure. And then we could go from Aaron Cooter doing this superhero-y thing to then something more angular for something more personal, so on and so forth. Yeah, sure. I'm with you. Um, what The issue I mentioned, uh, FF239 from back in the day, back in like 1981... That little girl, Wendy, and her little friends, that's what that issue's about. Mm. And that was the issue that introduced Aunt Petunia. Oh, nice. So if, if it's on uh, Marvel Unlimited or it's out there somewhere, it's an issue that it, it's a really powerful issue. It, it's fun, science fiction-y horror, but there's something else that's going on that, that, that John Byrne really took a, took a gamble on for back then to talk about. I won't spoil it, but it, it's it, it's sitting in front of me. We got Frankie Ray as Nova on the cover and everything. Classic. Yeah. Alrighty, Joey. Yeah. Would you care to engage in a lightning round? Oh, Shazam! Yes. Whoa. 
All right. You got five minutes on the clock. Go. Wicked and the Divine, number 43 from two weeks ago. I'm not going to say anything about it because this book is amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. There's the end, last three pages of this book. I was like, wow, this is some heavy stuff. And then the last page of this book, you're like, oh, my God. It all begins where it began. And I'm like, what? It's crazy. <laughs> all right. Also, I read Gogor number one, also from Image. Nice bit of fantasy here uh, by Ken Gehring. Um, opens with our protagonist, Armano, writing what I I think is some sort of giant rodent fleeing two dudes riding giant ants on a floating island. It's that oh. kind of book. It's super fun fantasy story, great team building, super, super stellar artwork as well. I had a lot of fun with this first issue. I also read Little Girls, an original graphic novel from the debut creative team of Nicholas Afflege and Sarah Delane for Image. Uh, here's the, the uh, synopsis from the back of the book. Sam and Lilette are two new friends living in Ethiopia who are dealing with the kind of social problem. Uh, sorry, with the kind of problems all kids have: judgmental social cliques, condescending adults, alienation, and a legendary brain-eating monster of folklore. Ooh. Yep, it's that kind of book. Sam is the <laughs> outsider, a white girl who constantly moves around the globe with her international single dad. She's now moved from Japan, where she was the outcast there, to Ethiopia, and now she's just trying to fit in. Um, she meets Lilette, and they go on some late-night adventures out onto the plains where the hyenas are, including Keret. Keret is the this folkloric monster uh, out in the out in the shadows of the bush. Um, things escalate. This book is scary. There are some amazing kind of s- twisted sights in, in in the artwork here from Delane. It's really really wonderful. It is fantastical. It is magical. It is a story of friendship and love and violence, and I adored it. It is a really really powerful story. A great graphic novel from Image and this new team. Um, I'll talk about Uncanny X-Men number 17 last, actually, because there's a lot to talk about with that one. But Batman number 70, I also read after the Nightmares arc. Tom King, Mikael Janin, and Jorge Fornes with Jordi Belair and Clayton Cowles. Um, I really only read this book because Solomon Grundy! Yeah! Like, (laughs) I was like, I was like flipping through it and I was like, yo, is that Solomon Grundy? It's Solomon Grundy! I'm gonna read it! Let's go! Um, Basically, it's one of these kind of who's in charge of whom storylines. Batman wakes up in Arkham in the basement and he like fights his way out of Arkham and he sends a message to Bane. He's like, I am the nightmare. Right. Um, and Bane's like, ha ha ha, you're right where I want you. And it's more of that back and forth. Um, it's a cool kind of traipse through Batman's rogues gallery as he just punches his way up and down Arkham Asylum. It's, it's, it's pretty fun in that sense. Um, coming out of the Nightmares arc, I could see how this could kind of be a slow build, but it is what it is. Um, I'm talking about a Batman book, so boom, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Uncanny X-Men number 17, Matt Rosenberg, Carlos Gomez with Goro FX on colors. Uh, you might have seen this one in the news a little bit. Sorry, on the on the dirt sheets, as it were. Um, issue number 16 ended with a shocking cliffhanger. Spoilers here for the Uncanny X-Men if you're, if you're not caught up. It, it, it is what it is. Um, shocking cliffhanger, Wolfsbane, Rain Sinclair, is dead. Number 17 picks up immediately with the funeral and the mourning and the rage. We ultimately learn that Rain died as a result of bigotry and prejudice and hate as a bunch of frat bros saw her in a park, hit on her, she rejected them, and then when she accidentally revealed herself to be a mutant, they beat on her till she was dead. 
Wolverine seeks some vengeance. Cyclops gets pissed, and Danny Moonstar gives a beautiful, beautiful eulogy. There's actually a particularly moving moment in the in the at the funeral when they read off every single name of the quote dead X Men. It's powerful, uh, and as I've said over the last few weeks, this is a dark, drab, despair-ridden comic which operates in stark contrast to the Age of X Men stuff that is going on as well. As a narrative, this issue is all about Cyclops and Wolverine's rage and the revival of anti-mutant violence in the wake of their disappearance and all that stuff on some level this issue works however it's a bunch of nonsense that we had to lose rain to do it um furthermore there's been some excellent writing this past week um one of which over at the beat uh with an ex- exceptional article by reed puck that thoroughly unpacks the problems with the way that rosenberg frames rain's death especially um paralleling it to trans panic murder Go and read the article. It is really a great read. Puck expertly explains why Rain's murder is just not okay. How a bunch of straight men, upon finding out that a potential conquest of theirs wasn't what they wanted, go on to murder her out of disgust with her and disgust with their attraction. Um, There are explicit lines in the book like, yo, you were flirting with a mutie, blah, and things like that. Um, Compound that with Wolverine's ultimate revenge before which he demands that the culprits, quote, say Rain's name and say her name. And you have Rosenberg pretty clearly drawing parallels to issues facing the trans community, the LGBT community, and the black community as well. Powerful parallels, yes, but ultimately in this issue, it's used to service Wolverine and Cyclops' rage and moral battle over what the X-Men are, which um, then turns it into kind of a again, a very problematic use of these parallels. Um, With that said, shocking ending uh, as well to this book. Just thinking about the ongoing Uncanny. Um, Things are moving at a clip with this Uncanny book. I feel like we get another new issue every couple of weeks and it's just barreling through these various circles of suffering and it is is dark and dark and heavy. Um, Do check out those those articles. There's a great one in io9 as well that uh, that talks about this issue Um, and I think it does a great job of explaining it. Uncanny is a great book, but the parallels here are definitely worth acknowledging. Rosenberg did come out um, and apologize for it as well, and mm-hmm. and uh, very kind of um, uh, it was just a very interesting conversation to be had around uh, the X Men this past week. Uh, I read it too, and I on um, you know I, I don't know I read it after I'd seen the the stories about it and whatnot, and. Uh, I have to admit that it kind of it put me off of the book. So I went into it um, yeah. a little darkly and yeah, like I just, it gets into that weird area where you just don't know whose story that is to tell versus being able to be an artist and create a story. Sure. Um, and it's, it, it, I don't know. I don't want to talk on it too much because I don't think that I have any authority, any authority to, but um, it'll yeah. be interesting to see where that book goes from here, um, in terms of like its readership. Um, if it was just a bump in the road, or if it's something that's actually going to to really drive some people off of the book. I don't, I don't know. I think that um, the it, it it it's really kind of reawakened this debate about the X Men. The fact that the X Men operate with this kind of uh, central metaphor to their mm-hmm. the con the conceit of the x-men but the limitations of that as well right um because again 
from a narrative standpoint, in terms of like what Uncanny X-Men is trying to do week to week and, and advancing these storylines and these characters, um, it is a very emotionally charged and powerfully written issue, just like kind of uh, like technically, you know, mm-hmm. contextually, however, and I think the articles do a good job of raising this, the, the, the you know, it, it, it has this cultural weight to it. And the way that it's framed, not as a story about Rain even, a Rain Sinclair, but as a story of Wolverine and Cyclops, I think is when it be- becomes overtly problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that, like you're saying, Rosenberg trying to draw those parallels is trying to draw parallels that the X-Men have historically been used to draw, you know? Right. But I think it becomes problematic in the same way that, you know, when we were talking about Endgame as well, some of the things that happened there, it becomes problematic as to who those choices serve. Um, you know, I can't remember the last book Rain Sinclair was in. And now here, Shen, this is this Just is what she's used for. Like, die. this is the yes. problem, you know. Um, yeah. Especially having, having lived with her in X Factor. You know, and, yeah. and, and gone through everything that she goes through in X Factor with her faith and religion and all of that stuff, which is some of the best storylines in Peter David's run on that book and with that character. And mm-hmm. to see that kind of relegated here and all of that forgotten just to service what is essentially a, a, a plot beat that is to advance another, the two male leads characters, I think, is, is when, the, when, when the choice, the creative choice becomes problematic. Um, yeah, you just answered a question for me in terms of where has she been because I walked into that issue and I thought that I had missed something. Yeah. Like like I did I like I just read this last week or the week before, whatever it was. Like there's definitely I would remember this character. Was so you're she, saying Was she in that New Mutants Dead Souls book with Ileana and, and Danny? And- I believe she was. Yeah. Which yeah. was a six-issue miniseries, which again, like I read maybe two issues of. You know, I don't think that I read the last one, but I I have them because there there's another mention of a character in this book that's dead, and I'm like, when did that happen? Yeah. That probably happened at the end of Dead Souls. Right. So I mean, like, there's just it's a lot, and that, I mean that's the other thing with the X Men too. Um, there's just so many, but it, it's it's really hard when it's framed in a certain way and it services somebody else. You know, and I, I, it's mm-hmm. it's a tricky it's a tricky situation. I think Rosenberg um, apologized for it, like I said, and I think that the, the the articles on it are totally worth reading. If you could find it, we'll try and link to them in the show notes. But um, it was it's really great. And again, it's it's these stories have weight, you know, and and that's something that the X Men always has done. All right. Yeah, I have a question about Batman to sort of lighten things up. Not that we should necessarily. No, Joey, go for it. Yeah. Joey. Yeah. About halfway through, yeah. I began to have the feeling that despite this being touted as the beginning of the next arc, I don't know that Batman's awake yet. No, he's awake. He's awake. He's awake. He goes through his entire rogues gallery pretty easily. They're all ah. hanging out in Arkham, man. I don't know. Oh, Bob is suspicious. Take- Takes out Solomon Grundy with one punch? Come on. I mean, Solomon Grundy born on a Monday. Exactly. I just love when, uh, when like, Calendar Man shows up. It's like, (laughs) forget Calendar Man. Punch that guy. And then he does. Must be a Monday. (laughs) Uh, He gives him a good one. I 
I always like those issues. You know, anytime a like a hero just like barrels through their rogues gallery, I think that's fun. You know. Do you get to see Scarecrow? Yes. Yes, you do. All that's right, a great in. scene. That's an awesome scene. Yeah. What about Clayface? No, dude, he's dead. What? I keep forgetting about this. <laughs> <laughs> Died back in Detective, right? Didn't he? <sighs> Yeah, he did. Didn't Batwoman kill him? Been a long time. Yeah, I stopped reading, I think, like four or five issues before that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm. Pour one out for Clayface. I have lived a life. All right. Sarah. Hi. Hey. How you doing? I'm okay. Still awake? Just about. (laughs) Hurry this up. Okay. Not you. I was forget it. All right. <laughs> Five minutes on the clock. Go. Okay. I have not read any books from my pull list for approximately three weeks now, so it is graphic novel time. Um, I'm going to start off with Woman World by Aminda Dalival. Um, the conceit of the book is when a birth defect wipes out the planet's entire population of men, woman world rises out of society's ashes. Um, now, with a premise like this, I'm sure some listeners have already tuned out, but this isn't some sort of man-hating manifesto to provoke the men's rights activists. Um, woman world is actually a series of loosely connected short comics that gently poke fun at society and women's place in it whilst delivering um, a subtle yet earnest message about what women can achieve when freed from burdens and restrictions imposed upon them. The opening pages give us the setup with doctors, both male and female, warning of the impending disaster until we're left with a somewhat diverse cast of 10 main characters who have to navigate through loss and love and a world without men. The comedy is gentle and it often relies on puns and pop culture references and bodily humour. I mean, who doesn't like a good fart joke? Um, There was one running gag featuring a reference to a Kevin James movie. Paul Cup. Yes. Um, It just felt a little flat for me, possibly because I've never seen a Kevin James movie and I don't know who Paul Uh. Blackmarkoff is. But it reached its peak near the end of the book when there was a joke about the joke and about the inevitable disappointment you feel when your hero is letting you down. And it just kind of made it all worth it for me. Um, Overall, it is a really sweet, funny book that has layers of depth greater than it initially shows. Um, It's largely black and white. There's been some inevitable comparisons to the likes of Kate Beaton. Um, But I don't really see that as a bad thing, especially if it gives... Um, the book access to a larger audience um it's got stories and references to struggles with mental health issues body confidence the difficulties of accepting your lot in life and the overbearing feeling that i got from woman world was hope as the women and girls featured retain a positive outlook and a sense of optimism even as the world around them crumbled um oh and it just got nominated for an eisner more on that later um Now, like many comics readers, I, well, I'm sure like many comics readers, I have a mental list of books and or creators that I haven't tried, but that everyone else raves about. And for me, Raina Taugemeyer was a firm fixture on my list of shame, Uh, but no more. 
thanks to Steve Say and his lovely, lovely wife who gave me access to their library, I have now read both Smile and Sisters and I totally understand the Telgemeier hype train now. Mm-hmm. Um, both books are sweet and funny and touching looks at the trials and tribulations of being a young teen and navigating such treacherous waters as braces, siblings and teen crushes. Um, drawn and written with a sensitivity to their audience, both younger and older. Each book is a window into young Rainer's life, as well as giving some universal truths about the individual experiences we all share, um, which sounds like an oxymoron. But then if you think back to a time when you were a teen and you thought that no one else could possibly have lived through the excruciatingly embarrassing moment of trying to talk to the person you have a crush on without making a tit of yourself... We all had that moment. So Smile really endearingly shows us those moments that we all think we're the only person that's ever suffered through, but everyone's been there. Um, Each of these two books is a masterclass in storytelling and both left a really positive impression on me, as well as a nice, happy indentation in my heart. Um, And another book that left me with a warm, happy feeling that also featured on last year's Best Of show um, that I have only just gotten to access via the Kelly Say Library about Betty's Boob by Vero Cusat and Julie Rochelot. Um, This is a quirky and often surreal look at response to illness. It's gorgeously illustrated and it really touched me deeply. Um, The initial pain and hurt the lead character feels when faced with the betrayal of her body really resonated with me, Um, especially when it was followed with her courageous approach to life and love and friendship in the face of adversity. I know that my fellow hosts heaped praise upon this book last year and I can genuinely see why. It's sweet, it's strange, it's funny, and it's fundamentally uplifting. I can wholeheartedly recommend About Betty's Boob to anyone who has yet to pick it up. Is it weird? Yes. Will it break your heart? Possibly. But will reading it remind you that there is always light and laughter to be found in the world, no matter how dark it seems? I can't guarantee it, but it did for me. Also, Eisner nominated. Boom. Done. (laughs) Awesome. I'm glad that you got to uh, pick from the fruits of our library. There, there are other books that I read that I haven't had a chance to talk about yet. But yes, I may have spent an entire afternoon just not talking to anybody on my holiday in a house full of people and just reading books. It's good times. Good times. Um, so the mall, the mall, mall Bart man cop. Paul- <laughs> what? <laughs> the Paul Bart mall cop stuff. <laughs> In Woman World is amazing. Just I, for the record. I'm aware that there is a movie called Paul Blart Mall Cop and that it's about a fat man on a Segway. That's my entire <laughs> knowledge of it. But the payoff on the joke, when it gets to the payoff of the joke, yep. made it 100% worth it. Um, I have been sending images from the book to the ladies of Valhalla. Um, and... It's it's just absolutely brilliant. There's there's one bit that I just have to read this page. So you've got grandma type yep. figure and you've got young girl yep. and the old lady's going, remember that fable I told you? Even when the odds were stacked against him, was the young man scared? And there's like a, a panel of the little girl thinking. Then she goes, no, John McLean said, yippee ki motherfucker, and kept fighting. 
<laughs> I, I meant David and Goliath, but Die Hard works too. You say Die Hard always works. I was just, that was it. I was done. I was in, completely bought into the book at that point because there's a Die Hard reference. Also, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so that helped. I'm always amazed at how something that appears so bite-sized at the beginning that like it's just it's just gags to start but as you continue reading the series you start to see the underlying threads and then there's callback jokes and suddenly the, these like short little jokes have turned into a, like a full-on story yes. that just so happens to be hitting you with zingers on every page Oh, it was just everything with Yumi and Doctor. Just every single interaction that they had. I was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> it's oh me God. trying to talk to someone about my feelings. So good. Such a good book. I can't recommend it enough. Everybody needs to read it. Yes. All right. I was going to tell a story, but I'm going to skip it because we're short for time here. All righty. Um, I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for myself, but I got to maneuver a lot of books over here. So uh, I can't promise that I'm going to make my time. There we go. All right. Five minutes. Wow. Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me written by original graphic novel written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Rosemary Valero O'Connell from the back of the book. All Freddie Riley wants is Laura Dean to stop breaking up with her. The day they got together was the best one of Freddie's life, but nothing's made sense since. Laura Dean is popular, funny, and so cute, but she can be really thoughtless, even mean. Their on-again, off-again relationship has Freddie's head spinning, and Freddie's friends can't understand why she keeps going back. All right. It's been a minute since I've read something that's just as honest as it is beautiful and harsh and emotionally draining. <laughs> Laura Keeps Breaking Up With Me is an all-too-familiar love story about the push and pull of young love and how someone so beautiful can often be a wolf in disguise, preying on your insecurity, your naivete, and willingness to forgive. Um, pardon me, I just got to scroll down a little bit here. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I've dated a Laura Dean in my youth, and to this day, I occasionally ruminate on aspects of that relationship, realizing now how far I've come from wanting so desperately to be with someone who didn't appreciate me for me. Uh, word to Bronwyn. <laughs> this book uh, brought about a torrent of emotions for me. I gasped. I squinted my eyes. I wrinkled my nose. I even yelled at the book on more than one occasion. Come on, Freddy. You have to see the pattern here. She's no good for you. But I read on because the story was so damn real and so damn relatable and compelling that I just couldn't look away. Another reason why I refuse to look away is thanks to the hypnotic art of Rosemary, Rosemary Valero O'Connell. The only colors she uses in the book are that of the grayscale and powder pink. The minimalist color scheme mixed with the pink make every page and panel pop with her Miyazakian style. For real, I would corn. I would corn. Sorry, <laughs> I would work a corner to purchase an original page from this book. Her art is intricate, packed with emotion, and spellbinding in all the best places. I've already bolded this one on my list of books that I've read this year, so get ready. 
Five years, number one, a Terry Moore joint. Reading from the book. In 1961, Russia detonated a hydrogen bomb so powerful, it led to a global agreement to ban hydrogen bomb tests. After the Tsar bomb, scientists could no longer guarantee the survival of our planet. The risk of igniting the hydrogen in the atmosphere was too high, they said. The sky could be set aflame. Every child under every desk would die. All life on Earth would be incinerated, and it would take only a few minutes. Six months after I learned about something that makes the SAR bomb look like a match, the Phi bomb. The Phi bomb is a hydrogen bomb built to, ba built base, built to base Phi meth. Detonation triggers a multi-stage loop of endless chain reaction hydrogen ignition. Translation, it causes all hydrogen to destroy itself. Okay, so that's how this book opens. Well, there with, you go. With these, yeah. with these bomb things. So five years turns out to be Cachu, Francine, their two daughters, Libby and Sam, all living together in a beach house on Hawaii. And Cachu keeps dreaming about the bomb that will take five years to build. The bomb they'll test because they think they can control it. But they're wrong. Straight up, reading this issue was quite the surreal experience for me. I knew about it, but kept forgetting that it was coming out. I also knew that it would be merging the worlds of Terry Moore together, but then somehow forgot that too. So, you know, just say no, kids. Um, the, book is, <laughs> the book is crazy. Watching these characters interact with one another is a pure joy. And the doomsday scenario brings this overwhelmingly dark and desperate vibe uh, to the story. Like Kachu and Sam, I too feel as if this bomb cannot be stopped. So in a way, I feel very much like I'm reading the final years of these characters' lives. This makes me sad, excited, intrigued, and many other adjectives that I probably don't have time for since I'm on the clock. Uh, if you're a Terry Moore fan, you know what you've got to do. All right. Uh, yeah, I got 17 seconds left. That's not going to happen. Uh, de <laughs> deceased or DC East, number one. Joey? Deceased? De deceased. 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 Number one. Deceased. Uh, written by Tom Taylor. Art by Trevor Hairsign, Stefano Guadiano, and James Harron. Colors by Rain Barreto. Uh, letters by Sadi Tamafonte. Okay. The first thing I want to tell you about this book is that despite its grim and gory premise, Tom Taylor peppers this story with what I thought were some really great zingers, thereby injecting a bit of humor into this techno-zombie apocalypse bloodbath. Okay, so take my hand and walk with me for a few minutes here, friends. Darkseid has finally uncovered both halves of the anti-life equation, something that I'm not sure that DC even knows what the hell it is. He has one half, the other resides in Cyborg. Darkseid then captures Cyborg and brings him to Desaad, the cryptkeeper-looking bastard who's going to extract the data from our fellow Justice Leaguer and put two and two together to unleash hell on Earth. During the transfer, Darkseid messes the whole thing up by adding an unknown variable and in turn changes the equation. This screws everything up as Darkseid inadvertently creates a virus that begins eating away at his flesh and corrupting his mind. He goes mad, <laughs> leaps into the center of Apocalypse, and blows that shit up real good. Oh, 
but just before Apocalypse went kablooey, Desaad sent Cyborg back to Earth in an attempt to keep the virus from spreading. Now it's spreading on Earth because Cyborg is always online. And now anyone who interacts with social media or the internet uh, in general is infected. So goes a few pages of Deceased by Tom Taylor. All right. That's only like four pages of this book. Yeah, and then it's just like freaking a Walking Dead episode, season finale, let's go, everybody gets murdered. Um, I'm digging the story, and I think Tom Taylor is one of the strongest voices in comics right now, so I'm excited to read this based on his star power alone. I will say that having four artists on the book uh, is a bit of a bummer, especially when trying to set the tone and mood of the book. Uh, it's also a regular-sized issue, so the switches come hard and fast, uh, which could be a little bit jarring. At the very least, though, um, I think the points at which the artists take over the book, uh, I think it's cleverly laid out um, as the story switches between perspectives and settings uh, on more than one occasion, and like that artist will pick that vibe up. Um, I will say, though, that the stuff on Apocalypse with Darkseid getting infected and leaping into the planet and blowing it up was the best of the art, uh, in my opinion. Totally. Uh, it's, it's cool. It's crazy. I, I kind of wish, like you were saying earlier, Joey, that you wish that it was a bit more uniform. Like I would have liked to have had one artist all the way through. Uh, but that being said, I, I really appreciate those pages of apocalypse. If the whole book was like that, I, I would have been totally, totally down with it. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I like Todd Taylor a lot. And DC events often turn out to be really good. So I'm going to hang in with this. I really liked his Injustice stuff and uh, Wolverine books and whatnot. Yeah. It's brutal, man. Like, yeah. some of those pages you turn and you're like, oh, God. Oh, God. And they're just like scratching. The- oh, God. Oh, God. It's, it's a lot. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot. it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Why is Joey reading it then? I, you know, because I, I have a sucker for zombie stories, man. And this isn't a zombie story. I, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. It uses some of the tropes. Um, it's oh god, they just it's like <laughs> oh, you're just reading that book and you just know people sound like this, <laughs> and, like that, that, like that's the soundtrack to this book. Amazing. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, Bob, I'm not sure how much you've read of Terry Moore's, uh, Strangers in Paradise, but the, the marriage of that with Motor Girl is, is just too good. The, the Libby pages alone, Libby and Catchu's interactions with one another are pure gold. How many issues are we talking about for five years? I honestly, I don't know. I think it is a limited series. But uh, I think it might be in the single digits. So, but I I have no idea. Like I said, this whole thing kind of snuck up on me. I didn't even realize I was so fixated on reading The Strangers in Paradise uh, Omnibuy, uh, which I'm still doing, by the way. I read like 150 pages of it the other day. It's amazing. Uh, I I don't, I don't know what, I should look it up. Um, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Um, Yeah. All right. So. Any other questions or comments? All no, right. it seems like we all need to read Laura Dean. Yeah, I've got Laura Dean sitting in front of me on my pile. Is it going to ruin me? 
Um, no, I mean, I no, honestly, no, because I spent and and this is not a knock on the book at all. I spent a lot of the book kind of being angry with the main character in a way that you're reading something that you want so much better for this person. And they're you just you're watching them make poor choices and have bad judgment, but yeah, but I'm all about the poor right. But that does and and that's, that's the hook. <laughs> that's like that's the hook of the story. At least it was for me. Is like I remember making those poor decisions, and I remember you know giving my heart to somebody repeatedly. There was somebody that I dated on and off uh, in high in like um, high school, junior high school and high school, and then after college or whatever. That I mean, it was a poisonous relationship to be certain, and remembering the push and pull of that that whole thing, and it's mirrored in this book, um, and and it was really kind of like a like a wake up call kind of book, but it's also very sweet, and there are there are other characters outside of Freddie and Laura Dean that play a big part in the story, and the artwork is to die for. It is so good. It is that so was, majestic and beautiful and gorgeous, and I love it. I literally opened the book, looked at one page, and went, yeah, I'm buying this. Oh, yeah. Although, mm-hmm. now that you're saying this about those terrible, terrible relationships, I can probably name all of those awful relationships. Yeah. But, I mean, so, every... Oh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> every every page, there is just another stunner. Like, there, there, are, there are two-page spreads and, and full-page, like, just really emotional lots of little quiet moments where it's just kind of concentrating on things around the room it's another one of those books that's really fun to kind of look at the background and see what the posters say and like the stuffed animals that's another thing about the book that maybe after you read it uh we can talk about it but there's this really bizarre thing uh going on kind of like when we were talking about um Kristen's making friends where there's kind of these moments of her creation questioning her own existence and it kind of takes the book um out into this weird um it makes you think differently about the book for a couple of pages and then it kind of brings you back into the magical girl stuff um but it creeps up on you every now and again there's an aspect of this that freddie in her free time she makes stuffed animals but she makes them from different parts of different stuffed animals so it's kind of like a sid from toy story kind of thing but more innocent than that not like malicious or anything but Every now and again, the, they talk, like they speak. They have their own speech bubbles, and it's a different color. And it's they're they're talking to people and inter. And I can't, I don't know if it's one of those things where it's in her head, or if it's actually happening, or what. And I loved it every single time that it came up. I was like, "What is happening right now?" I feel like I'm having a flashback. What's going on? It's amazing. It's a really, really beautifully crafted book. Um, oh, by the way, it's from. First, second. So if you're looking to pick it up, chances are you will have to get a physical copy of it. Uh, it is worth every dollar. I absolutely loved it. Awesome. So there you go. So look forward to that. Um, all right. So we have one more book before we get to some other things. Uh, War of the Realms, number three. So here's the deal. We've been kind of following along with war of the realms and spoiling it every other week. I don't think that that's going to stop. So if you're reading war of the realms, awesome. If you're not, uh, I highly recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, it helps if you know, a couple of other books, mainly the Thor stuff, but, uh, 
it's a th- it's a thing. Like there's a lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. in here. So I don't have like a full blown explanation of what goes down in this book. I just kind of made bullet points as I was reading it and then didn't get to flesh this out. But in my notes, I have and these are spoilers, by the way. So la la la, if you don't want to hear it, uh, <laughs> Daredevil, the God of Fear. That was amazing. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Wolverine, Spider-Man, Cap, riding Pegasi into battle. <laughs> yes. Punisher's War Journal. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, that that was incredible. cracked me up. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I have to find out what the deal is with this, but the War Avengers, Captain Marvel, Captain Britain, Winter Soldier, Sif, Hulk, Vereen, Venom, and Deadpool are apparently a team. My guess is it's one of the tie-ins. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and again, spoilers, that FF splash page was so good. So much fun. Uh, and yeah, I like I said, all I have are, are bullet points here. But another fun issue, beautiful art, funny writing, epic, like everything, everything that this this event has been that we've talked about so far, it continues to be that and more. Um, this is the most fun I've had reading a Marvel event in a very long time. Yeah, that last page is killer. Yeah, send so them all. Oh God, yep. one arm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. broken hammer. Absolutely Please. insane. Yeah, this is this is the best Marvel event I can remember in a long, long time. Since Secret mm. Invasion. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's so part of the regular DNA of Jason Aaron's Thor run that now goes back. You, you, oh, you, I, 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 I'm not reading a lot of the tie-ins. The ones that are part of my books, I'm sort of getting. But you can get the gist of all that's going on from here. And if you want to read the other ones, a couple I've read so far, they're fun side events. Mm-hmm. But the book, the story is here, and it is operatic. It is it is, a, it is funny and violent, and weirdness ensues. Not only is, is Daredevil the god of fear, he's now Heimdall. Who, not, who can't see through all, everything. He hears everything in all the known universe. Well, because Heimdall had his eyes cut out right. by Mangog or whatever. Yes. <laughs> it's all connected. It is just great stuff. And Russell Dowderman's art is yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's interesting to think about, like, we mentioned it a few times on the episode tonight, but, like, you know, Russell Dowderman on Thor stuff, Flaviano on Black Widow, Max Aaron on Giant Days, like... We've stuck with these artists on these series for a while and, and, and watching that style evolve, you know, and, and change. Like, Donovan's at the top of his game here with, with War, yeah. uh, War of the Realms. Um, I, I think that, and Sarah, I'd be interested to know what you think about this, but that first issue, we talked about how, like, I had no idea what the hell was happening. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know where we are. Like, why are we in Brooklyn with the with the the Asgardians or the Bronx or wherever they're at? I don't know. Um, by issue three, I feel more settled and I kind of understand the stakes and I kind of get like, okay, so here's where we're at with the realm places and the different factions and things like that. So 
Bob, like you're saying, I, I feel like I'm more in the story now than I was with issue one, and and I'm enjoying it a lot more. Um, with that said, like the amount of kind of ridiculous, over the top, Asgardian operatic nonsense that's going on in this book has kind of kept me going through that bit of confusion. Um, yeah, Luke Cage and Danny Rand riding those Pegasi. Luke Cage is like <laughs> over it from panel one. It's, it's oh, it's Spider Man's like, why do I get a shield? Yep. Like, it's, no one has, no one goes into battle. Get behind my shield. Get behind my shield, guys. Um, meanwhile, there's giant frost giants like throwing yeah. arrows at them the size of telephone poles. Um, it is, it is very, very funny. Um, Thankfully, uh, Jess isn't reading this. She, horses died in this book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Punisher War Journal. Uh. Elf Offensive. Day one. <laughs> Rode on a rainbow. Took orders from Thor's mom. Stuck into a swampy hellhole, swarming with a million pointy-eared bastards, all tougher than snake turds. Remind me never to leave the five books. <laughs> well, and that's the one thing I will say. Like a lot of these characters, it is a, it is a Marvel crossover, and this happens all the time with crossovers. But a lot of the characters are kind of like derivative versions of themselves. <laughs> you know, like that version of Punisher War Journal hasn't been like the Punisher for like ten years. But <laughs> when that happens, you're like, of course, this is the Punisher. You know, um, and that's what happens with events. So I love it. I think it's a really fun. Um, big stakes scale event i i'm wondering how we're gonna get away from the entire earth destroyed uh we're gonna come back from that but you know it is what it is and i'm having a good time um yeah joey i 100 percent agree with you um first issue i was like i don't know who anyone is this is ridiculous why am i reading this by issue three i've been reading the tie-ins um it's way more humorous than i was expecting um at one point, somebody uses the line, don't look now, but they have tanks made of giant alligators. <laughs> so, I'm in. Um, the artwork is absolutely beautiful. I love Matt Wilson's colours. Some yes. of the contrast between mm-hmm. the very sort of almost pastel, ethereal Thor pages and then like the really bright primaries of the capes and cowl superhero stuff is absolutely gorgeous. Um it, I'm really enjoying it. I was not expecting to enjoy it. I got to the end of the book and I was like, well, I, where's the rest of the pages? I want more. Yeah. And I never want more from events, mostly because I don't ever bother reading events. Um, some of some of the characters are sort of pastiches, like you say, with, with Punisher. And I think She-Hulk is oh, yeah. um, a, a little bit too Hulk. Um, and it's just, it's like a really camp, fun frolic and it's it's just it's silly and i love it and it wasn't what i was expecting at school because obviously my list of shame does include the jason aaron russ and altman thor run which we shall never speak of again <laughs> um but it is it is a really fun book and to me events are just oh do i have to read this it's going to ruin every other book but in this case no i'm totally buying into it i'm reading books that i would never normally read just because they're tie-ins and i think it's super totally i will say i really hope 
Union Jack and Spitfire and the Black Knight are fine. Yeah. And that uh, we get a book out of this with the those those British heroes kicking yeah. ass. I saw Captain Britain fly in yes. with yep. his War <laughs> Avengers. I was like, yo, give me that give me that book again. I miss those characters. Excalibur yes, and my thirteen. Back Excalibur, or like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pete Wisdom, man, shooting knives out of his fingers. Beep, beep, beep. Yep. That's not the sound his finger <laughs> knife finger made, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I that imagine. Beep, beep, beep. It's funny. This thing is spread across so many books i'd be surprised if people aren't reading it and nothing selling, and also well, it is well, selling well yeah it's selling well and also i can't really remember i mean they did the infinity something or other again last year infinity warps infinity wars yes. something like that and Which i, is I coming don't back again mm-hmm. this summer and too. i don't really know uh, other than some of our loyal contributors who re- reviewed some of those books, I don't really know who's reading those. We didn't uh, talk about those either. The last one that I feel like really wove through all the books and they were hyping up and talking about and all that stuff, I think, was the um, Secret Empire stuff. Uh, yeah, that was the last one that I think – the last one we read together on the show was Civil War Two. We were doing Doomsday yeah. Clock over at DC, but I still am. <laughs> Did you ever get that issue that was supposed to come out? No, it never came out. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's showing. It's showing according to my according to my local comic shop. There is an issue of Doomsday Clock coming out tomorrow. Oh, today's the day. No, today. Sorry. No. Oh well, they're showing it as this week's releases. Anyway, uh, I, I hope so. Unless it's a reprint. Anyway, it's nice to be reading an event again, yes. having been away from it for so long, having this kind of back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Yes, agreed. And, and according to an ad within the book, Superior Spider-Man number seven, for those of us missing West Coast Avengers, they are featured. Get the hell that, out of In here. that issue, yes. Otto Octavius Ooh. conscripts the West Coast Avengers for his plan to win the War of the Realms single-handedly. Who's writing that book? Uh, Christos Gage with art Ooh. by Lan Medina. Disregard that Doomsday Clock's a second printing. Says it all, really. Amazing. <laughs> we, I do believe it's the 29th of May, but you never can tell. It is yeah, Doomsday okay. Clock. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Yes. So, that's... My, the Russo brothers came out and they said, Monday's the day. Monday's the day when we're going to start talking about Endgame spoilers. And if you haven't seen the movie, you should go and do that. Uh, and all kinds of things are out now, including the Spider-Man Far From Home, the second trailer for this movie, which sets up potentially quite a bit. Uh, you got to look at the source a little bit, but we'll talk about mm-hmm. that in a second. So... This trailer actually came with its own spoiler warning. Yeah. Tom Holland comes on and he's like, hey, if you haven't seen Endgame, you should go do that and oh, then come back and watch you, this. Yeah. You got to do the accent. I can't do sh- No, we should have Sarah do it, if anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. What, just, just, just as the token Brit, <laughs> I, I'm supposed to say you mustn't watch this trailer until you've seen Endgame because it has lots of spoilers in it. There yeah. you go. Sounds just like him. Exactly. Yeah. I, I am actually Tom Holland. Terrible. I feel I should have. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Spoilers. Hey, do the voice. Do the voice. That's what Steve just did. No. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, I can't decide if I was just really rude or not. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I love See, this that. is why I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love All how right. he. I love how he does the spoiler warning, and then the first shot of the spo- of the trailer is a spoiler. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no, there's yeah. no buffer. <laughs> It's also pretty funny that a spoiler warning coming from Tom Holland, considering his track record for all this stuff. So anyway, they they reveal like right out of the gate that Iron Man passed away. What? Yes. When did that happen? It happened in Avengers Endgame. Oh, did it? And uh, so that we're we're now living in a post Endgame, post Tony Stark world, and Spider Man is understandably upset. Uh, however, he also has a vacation and/or school trip that he is going to be taking with his class. So Spider Man's going on vacation and goes, and then Nick Fury is like, "Hey, Spider Man, it's time to step up. We have a thing." We have to get you to team up with this guy because there's some multiverse shenanigans <gasps> possibly going on. And this is why I said you have to look at the source because Mysterio is a villain and he's going to turn out to be the villain in this movie. It's going to be, you know, the third act. He's going to be like, whoa, all hey, about trickery. Coming, and the whole, you know, people in the audience are going to be, oh, my God. And we're all going to be sitting there going like, Pfft. anyway, um, so. He's the one saying that he's from another Earth. So I got excited. A whole lot of other people got excited. Uh, and I've seen some other people that were like, yo, all they, you have to remember this is Mysterio. So they could be lying about the multiverse thing. I don't think so. I think that going forward, Marvel is going to tap into the idea of there being multiple Earths, multiple realities, and possibly even get some of their quote unquote retired actors uh and characters back for other films uh be it for whatever thor in guardians of the galaxy 3 please uh things like that so we'll see anyway what the invaders yeah little captain peggy little captain peggy uh revival there that would be awesome because i'm telling you man oh sorry go ahead Oh, no, I was just going to – no, no, say what you want to say. I was just going to say, going back to our conversation from last week, the only way the Steve Rogers stuff makes sense is if it's an alternate reality that he goes back to and continues to fight the good fight. That's the only yeah. way. And, Nailed uh, it, and the Russos say so. And the yeah, Russos say yeah, so. You know, who doesn't, you know who doesn't say so? Marcus and McFreely, the, <laughs> the writers yeah. of Endgame. They're like, no, it's not an alternate reality. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway, I totally agree with you. I think that like on the one hand, the multiverse thing is so cool. I'm totally there for it. And if you want to build to anything, even rivaling the infinity gauntlet thing, it would be Marvel doing its own crisis on infinite earths in, in 10 yes. years. How hilarious would that be? Secret wars, nonsense. You'll get your That'd battle awesome. world stuff, Steve. It'll be great. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get uh, that get, map and going. And we get, so, we could get Dr. Doom in the FF that yeah, way, because totally. where, where would they have been? They, were in some other place they were in the yeah. negative zone man um, yeah it's cool it's fun and i love that spider-man i love that it ties in directly to Endgame and 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 spirals out of it i love the happy hogan stuff I've always, I've always been a sucker for favreau i think he's i think he's a, a funny dude um 
And I think he's a great character. And I think he, at the end of the trailer, when he's like, everybody get on the jet. <laughs> Never yeah. mind, new plan. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's so funny. Um, I love the characters. I, I, I talked about it when we did the when I did the rewatch. Homecoming's great. And I think part of it is the cast is great. I love all mm-hmm. of those actors. I love when Flash gets... You know, hitting the nuts in in uh, yeah, yeah. In, in, in I laugh every time I see that. I've watched the trailer at least so, like seven times. So funny! I, I think it's great, and I'm so excited for it. It's about two months away. Um, it's a nice. I think it'll be a nice kind of palate cleanser after Endgame, and we still have no sense of what the rest of the MCU is going to look like. Even all the D- Disney Plus stuff, it, it it's all very amorphous right now. And I think um, Far From Home will be a nice lead in to it. Mm-hmm. In addition to being, I think, a nice continuation of, of Spidey's story. I personally, though, if I was principal of a high school, the first thing I would do after getting my entire student body back from being dusted would not be send them on a trip to, yeah. <laughs> to Europe. Doesn't they have some homework to catch yeah. up on? I'd be like, you've been gone for five years. We need to check your <laughs> aptitudes. <laughs> like, yeah, man, five <laughs> years. you got to go on a vacation. <laughs> I clear your head. Get back to business. All right. Uh, also, the elementals look really cool, and so does Mysterio. Uh, he's one of my favorite of Spider-Man's rogues gallery. I'm super excited to see Jill and Hall uh, portray that character. Bob, what did you think of the trailer? I love everything about it. The idea that they couldn't have this out until the official spoiler alert was lifted made me think, oh, there's going to be a lot of stuff. And it is. In the space of three minutes or so, it is heavy and fun and weird. All those characters you love. That l- nice little moment with MJ. Yeah. As as Peter, I don't want to spoil this trailer either, but it, it, Peter starts to say something, and her reaction is just priceless. Loved it. Can't wait to see this. I am intrigued at how this all plays itself out. The trailer says one thing. He's a conniving guy, that Mysterio. Mm-hmm. What I, w- what I would love to see, though it'll never happen, is maybe there are two Mysterios, and we see the other one who was supposed to be Bruce Campbell at some point from the Raimi movies. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, they, were, they were aiming in that direction all those years ago. That He was this failed actor who got all those terrible jobs he was having. Mm-hmm. Ring, ring announcer, bad waiter, waiter with bad French accent, uh usher at a theater that he was the plan was for a spider-man four or whatever is going to be a mysterio thing so i'm just saying why not why not bring the chin back into this the chin the chin i interviewed the chin once for ash vs evil dead he was not he was not nice to me oh okay let's move on oh wait i'm sorry sarah i forgot i forgot about you again Wow. I am going to start taking this personally soon. Your Tom Holland impression was so good that I was convinced that he was on the show now, and I didn't want to ask <laughs> about his own movie because he just would have spoiled it. Um, what did you think of the trailer? No, oh, it doesn't matter now. Oh, <laughs> no. Um, okay, so as anyone who's ever listened to me twaddle on about trailers knows, I kind of have issues sometimes with trailers and the amount that they show. Um I was off the internet from Sunday through until about eight o'clock this evening because I hadn't seen Game of Thrones. Um, And as soon as we finished watching Game of Thrones, my friend I watched it with was like, right, I need you to watch this trailer with me now. And we watched it. And I went, I just kind of feel like I've seen the whole movie now. Like it was only three minutes, but it just, 
it felt like one of those trailers where they just showed me more than I wanted to see. I loved the spoiler warning. Loved seeing Happy. Um, snarky MJ is officially my favourite MJ. I was never a fan of the Raimi Spider-Man movies anyway, and I think this MJ is just awesome. Um, Europe looks beautiful. They've done a really good job of making everything look pretty. Do we really need Peter to be the new Tony, though? Do we? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to see the movie. I just... The trailer sold me on a lot of things but at the same time put me off on a few other things mm. um but the point at which nick fury just went it's like peter's like oh, i'm a friendly neighborhood spider-man and fury just turns around and goes bitch please you've been a space <laughs> i was like yeah, yeah just just take my money now it's fine we've got fury being angry i'm in also right at the end when the theme starts playing and mm. it's just like this crazy mashup of the avengers theme and the spider-man theme i was just like yep yeah, yes so yeah i am gonna see the film i will definitely go and see it at least once at the cinema but sometimes trailers just give you too much they do you're usually safe for the first one but once the second one comes out like i was curious i i stopped watching after the first endgame trailer so i went into that movie pretty cold Mm. uh but for this, when they were making such a big deal about dropping the spoiler warning and everything, like I had to check it out. Totally. Uh, just because it seemed like the first of, of its kind as far as giving people warnings. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally on board. Like I said, big Mysterio fan. And I just I, I really genuinely love Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I find him uh, to be adorable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I, I enjoy watching him flip around and the do his thing. The only thing I want from the Marvel multiverse is my MCU m- musical. That That's what I want. Could, could we also maybe have some actual representation? Oh, sure. Like, of course that. Yes, that too. Like a bit of, bit of, bit of LGBT maybe? Well, it's going to be a musical, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with or without the musical i'm gonna be honest i want something more than a russo brother giving me three lines oh um well i mean the eternals is gonna have to do that and they just uh they just announced that uh the guy that plays rob stark in game of thrones uh has been cast as one of the leads or, they or is don't in have talks. to give us anything yeah, they, they won't f- give it to yeah. us if they don't want to yeah, well, sorry, I'm really pessimistic about the chances. No, and you and you have every right to be. You have every right to be. I, I'm just hoping that that's not even that. That's the one. I hope it comes before that. But that would be they would they would be setting themselves up for a tremendous amount of blowback if they rework that character to be someone else. That would be horrible. That would put me off of the movie so hard. Yep. So see what happens with that. Uh, like I said, I'm hoping that the next phase of Marvel, them doing this multiverse thing, that they are going to start going outside of the box. I've been kind of like talking to myself about the slate of Marvel movies that are they're expected to announce an official slate sometime around the release of Spider-Man Far From Home. And I'm thinking about the stuff that's potentially coming out. And some of it I really want to see, and some other things, I just don't know how much time I want to spend with characters that we've had. I kind of, I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm ready to move on, take some risks, and do some things. But 
and have a musical. Know. I'm 100 percent buying. Yeah, I mean, but there's also another part of me that wants to see a, a Black Panther too. Like, I like Doctor Strange now. I don't know that I need a Doctor Strange too. I'd rather see something from someone else. But you know, like they've kind of turned that character around to a degree. I would be down with that. But um, I don't know. We don't have to get into a whole thing. I just. I'll I'll be very curious to see what what the official word is on what their next plan is because they have to be building to mm. some form of change. They can't just do the same thing over again. Because I I mean I can't speak for other people, but I'm not interested in that. Like I wanna I want to see them do other things and introduce more characters and take some risks and show people that there are universes and characters and stories beyond the ones that are already ingrained in pop culture. Let's make some other characters. Let's make uh, Quan Chi in, um, uh, not Quan Chi. Oh my God. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. I'm sorry. I have Mortal Kombat on the mind. I've been playing it a lot. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like let's get, let's hear something about that. They just announced today. uh, Well, not announced, but there was an, uh, an article with the Joe Russo, who was kind of detailing the, Black Widow movie saying it's going to be a prequel and it's possibly going to deal with her Budapest mission that she uh, completed before joining the Avengers or something like that. And like, and that's cool. I just, I don't know how much I'm on for a prequel when the character has come so far over the past nine years that she's been on the big screen that I kind of, I like where she, well, I don't like where she's at right now but you know what i mean like all the all the progress they've made with that character the way they've built her up throughout the years i don't know that i want to go back before all of that stuff to watch her go through like the paint by numbers process of being a spy going through training and having the per the, the the terrible uh person that she has to answer to making her kill her friend or her pet or whatever or putting them in a in a series of scenarios like i've seen that movie i've seen that story a thousand times over i kind of want something new from her if they could figure that out but Let i haven't Jen and sylvia do it yeah, yeah i just i have i haven't seen the movie yet and they have their people that are doing it and stuff like that and i'm very curious to see what it's going to be uh but yeah i've been i've been kind of feeling conflicted about the future of marvel lately i'm really excited to hear what they have uh coming down the pike in a couple of months it'll be fun to to talk about that and see what's up all righty do we want to uh, talk about some of these uh, Eisner nominations real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. I've got my so top the f- picks from the nominees. Uh, the full list of nominations is out, and the Eisners will be presented during the San Diego Comic Con on July nineteenth at the Hilton San Diego Bayfront Hotel. Uh, as somebody who has been to the Eisners, I can tell you that there it's a wonderful, wonderful ceremony. I had the time of my life uh, going there, hands down, one of my like, top five favorite con moments of all time. And um, they're long, though. It's like four hours plus, so get comfy. Uh, other than that, it's a wonderful thing. And we have new uh, nominees for, for the upcoming show. So I don't want to go through all of these because we still have some other things to do, but we can hit on a on a couple of high notes. Does anybody have a, a category that they want to highlight? I was just going to quickly mention the best new series. Um, 
because three of the nominees for, for new series are three of my favorite books of the last year. Um, she said, desperately trying to pull the list of nominees up on her iPad. You want me to read them off? closed itself. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, so for best new series, we've got Bitterroot, Crowded, Gideon Falls, Isola, Maneaters, and Skyward, which is a hell of a list. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sounds like some of our lists. <laughs> sounds like oh, lots exactly of our lists. like our list, yeah. <laughs> through and through, for sure. Uh, yeah, every every single one of these titles on here is a banger, and I'm really, really thrilled with uh, to see them reflected on this uh, prestigious award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for best limited series, they've got Batman White Knight, another one of ours, uh, Eternity Girl. Exit stage left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles. I've tried reading that. I'm about like three and a half issues in. I don't know that I'm gonna finish it. Mr. I Miracle. Quite liked it. Yeah, I I like it, but I'm not I, I'm not all the way there. It's I, I I don't know if it's just because I don't know much about Broadway culture or or how the inner workings of that is. I just there are other things that I would rather be be reading. But I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, something called X-Men Grand Design. Yeah, dude, that book's crazy. I've never heard of it. It's more like, it's like fashion. Lights, lights, lights. It's all about like, you know, the aesthetic of the X-Men. It's a very interesting kind of prestige format book. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Best publication for kids ages 9 to 12. We got Aquacorn Coke. Hell yes, you do. That book is incredible, man. <laughs> I picked that up on holiday. I'll be reading it soon. And Prince and nice. Dressmaker for Publication 14. Yay! We've also got Be Prepared by Vera Brosgul, which I've read right. and loved. Yes. The Cardboard Kingdom, Crush, and The Divided Earth are your best uh, publications for kids, 9 through 12 titles. Uh, best publication for teens, ages 13 to 17, All Summer Long by Hope Larson, which I really enjoyed. Gumballs, have not checked that out. Middle West yeah. by Scotty Young. Uh, Norway, book one, The Black Bull of Norway. I feel like that's been talked about on the show. Did Melissa talk about that? Yes. Yes, and I'm okay. pretty sure that I bought Jess a copy of that last week, which she may or may not have found yet, because I left it in her apartment. <laughs> uh, we've also got Talking Comics Book of the Year, The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang, yes. and book I talked about not too long ago, and Sarah read while she was here, Tony Sandoval's Water Snakes. So good. Wasn't it? I was. I really wanted to talk about that tonight, but I was like, no, I need to give it more time because it's too good to just fit it in with some. It's other a things. multiple. It's a multiple read. There is a lot to digest from that book, and the art is just mesmerizing. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, let's see here. We got best anthology, Femme Magnifique. Woo-hoo! Hey, there's the category women. for it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> change the world. Uh, Puerto Rico Strong, Twisted Romance. Where uh, where we live, a benefit for the survivors that in Las great. Vegas. That was great too. Yeah, really great. Great. That's a great. Still haven't managed great. to read it. I just want to say I'm looking at the best writers here. Kelly Thompson has to win this category, right? Come on. I'm saying. I think so. Unless it's Zadarsky. Zadarsky is also great. And I do want to check out. I love that. And I, look, I don't want to raise any uh, 
conflict here on the show. But if we look at the category that is best single issue slash one shot, uh, most of the issues there are proper one shots, except for one. This Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man number 310 by Chip Zdarsky, which evidently now I need to read that single issue of, of Peter Parker the Spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, let's see about this. Let's see about this one issue. Uh, so for best writer, we've got Alex DeCamp, uh, Tom King, Jeff Lemire, Mark Russell, Kelly Thompson, and Chip Zdarsky. Let's see. Best writer artist, we have Sophie Campbell, uh, Nick Drasano, uh, Dranasso, David Lampham, uh, Nate Powell, Tony Sandoval, yeah. and Jen Wang. Ben uh, Who else do we got here? Best penciler, inker, or penciler, inker team. Matthias uh, Bergara, Mitch Gerards. Yes! Carl Kershaw, love him too. <laughs> love Matthias Bergara. Uh, Sunny Liu, uh, Sean Phillips, and Yannick Paquette. Wild. Uh, and then you've got your best colors, best letters. There are a lot of categories here. I'm sorry that uh, we're not going to hit on every one of them. But, um, yeah, some really, really amazing, amazing books nominated this year. Uh, a ton that we've read and have enjoyed. And, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, find uh, – if you go type in Hollywood Reporter and then uh, – as a really, you know, full comprehensive list, Eisner Award nominees revealed Hollywood Reporter will give you the full list for every category. And if you've got some extra scratch or whatever and your your local comic shops are still doing some free comic book sales, sometimes they go beyond the day. Uh, pick some of these things up that sound interesting to you, because uh, there are lots of good books on this list. Mm-hmm. Including um, about Betty's boob on the best U.S. edition of international material. Mm-hmm. I feel I should point that one out. And best humor publication, Woman World. And Giant yeah. Days. And Giant Days. Giant Days. That's, that's in several um, yes. several categories, actually. It's yes, in the best continuing, continuing series yeah. as well. So there we go. There we go. Uh, does anybody else have any other books that they want to mention? No. I, a, I, no, no. There's a book in best publication for early readers up to age eight called This is a Taco. I feel like I need to read this book. <laughs> yeah. Also, Tiger versus Nightmare. I don't know what it is. I need to read it. Tiger versus. Well, actually, actually, Sunday, Sunday, it, Sunday, Sunday. Tiger versus Nightmare. Under the <laughs> best single issue one shot, Black Hammer. It's a, it's a one shot from that series mm-hmm. by Jeff Lemire. Cthulhu Louise. Cthulhu Louise. Didn't he tell us he didn't read Lovecraft? Yeah. Many, many years I've, ago. <laughs> that's that's actually that is a um a very sweet single issue about being the outsider at school and um not fitting in with your peers and trying to be something that your parents want you to be that you're not. And it's actually a very adorable single issue. And I was quite sad when I read it because I didn't realize it was a one shot. And I was like three quarters of the way through thinking, this is adorable. And then it finished and I went, oh. This uh, this, this best coloring category is like a murderer's row of talent. You've got Jordi Belair, Tamara Bonvillon, Nathan Fairbarn, Matt Hollingsworth, and Matt Wilson all Matt Wilson. for the prize. The oh, my God. Oh. oh, man. So there you go. There you have it. Your uh, your Eisner nominations for 2019 ceremony. Uh, all right. It is about that time. 
Now we talk about the books that we're looking forward to this new comic book day. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, somebody didn't make a list. Somebody did make a list and just saw how big her list was. Hey, what's on your list, Sarah? Okay, so I've got to pick up all of last week's books and the week before's books. Ooh. But this week I have got Black Hammer Age of Doom number 10, Captain Marvel number 5, Catwoman number 11, House of Whispers number 9, Murder Falcon number 8, She Could Fly the Lost Pilot number 2, Unstoppable Wasp number 7, and Wonder Woman number 70. Hello comics, goodbye money. Hello, Mr. Noodle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try and find craft dinner in the supermarket because that is now officially my budget. Yeah. (laughs) For a dollar, you can eat like a queen. (laughs) Taste those chemicals. They're so good. They taste like orange. Uh, (laughs) So, Bob, what's your list? I have some of Sarah's as well. Unstoppable Wasp, uh, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, and Catwoman. Uh, Captain America number 10, Invaders number 5. We have the War of the Realms Squirrel Girl tie-in, where I'm sure the the Frost Giants are having their problems with Oak Tree Ultron from the last issue around. And speaking of the Queen, Betty Page number 4, where she and Queen Elizabeth go flying in a helicopter and fight space aliens. Yes. I am looking forward to hearing about that. (laughs) (laughs) You will. Trust me. Uh, and Joey, what are you picking up? Um, nothing. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, there's a new graphic novel from Boom called Waves. I'll probably read that. Uh, Captain Marvel number five, Invaders number five, as we've mentioned a couple of times. Um, there's a second volume of Violette Around the World, another graphic novel that I absolutely adored. Volume one. It's the one about a little girl who's who lives with a traveling circus. And she, oh, yeah. like, it's so wonderful. And I'll definitely be reading volume two. Um, for next week, um, I was debating jumping back into Flash, number seventy. It's like their year one story, and I was like, "Is Joshua Williamson still writing Flash? He is still writing Flash. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's been five years, not five years. It's been like three years, but oh, crazy. A while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really short list this week for me at least. So I won't be eating Kraft mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've got a little list for myself. I also have Murder Falcon, Captain Marvel, Invaders, Unbeatable, Unstoppable. I'm also picking up Unnatural number nine and War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number two and War of the Realms Agents of Atlas number one. Yes, that as well. There There is a book that's coming out that I need to mention to you, Steve, because it is called metal shark bro number one i'm listening the next entry in the new binge imprint where scout releases a world premiere issue followed by the entire story a few months later in one volume what the fin is a metal shark bro well here's the liner note summary a traditional shark stumbles upon satan's nephew and is forcibly given anthropomorphic qualities With his newfound human physique and propensity for violence, he's tasked with collecting the souls of those that have sworn allegiance to Satan. The only problem, he just wants to be a natural, a normal shark again. Naturally, he swears bloody vengeance and uh, a whole lot of death ensues. Wow. Okay, so 
I've already <laughs> gone ahead and have written Metal Shark Bro in all caps and have bolded it on my like comics read list. So we're just going to assume that I've already read it and loved it and we'll be nominating it at the end of the year. As soon as I saw that on the releases, I was like, Steve needs to know about this. Steve loves Grizzly Shark. I was just going to say, y'all remember Grizzly Shark? Grizzly Shark was amazing. And what was the other one? Shirtless Shirtless Bear Fighter. Fighter. Also, also another of it is a shark playing a guitar. You know, dare I say, Grizzly Shark and Shirtless Bear Fighter may have been peak comics, and we may now just be living in the aftermath. Uh, It's all downhill (laughs) from here. And you had Angel Catbird to that. Angel Catbird. Oh, God, what a good year. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Metal Shark Bro. Yes. He's playing a guitar on the front cover and he appears. Yeah! He's friends with Teen Dog. An open cropped leather jacket. It's it's amazing. That book sounds rad and I'm buying it. It's from Scout. Yep, Scout number one. Oh man, they're usually they're usually print only. I'll have to I'll have to go to the shop. I'll I'll look for it tomorrow, uh, digitally, and if not, I'll definitely pick it up at the shop. Oh boy. All right, well, that made my week. So, <laughs> does anybody stuff. have any closing statements anything they want to share before we read the stuff yep all yep. right just a quick one a quick thank you to eisner award-winning professor carolyn coca who on her way to that symposium she was doing at bowling green university stopped in detroit and while she was at detroit she went to the motown museum and did a whole tour, which we should, she regaled me with some lovely stories and picked me up an amazing shirt from dead on the Motown Museum of the label and the whole thing. So thank you very much, Carolyn. All right. Anything else? That's enough. Okay. That's the podcast. Thank you for tuning in for this week's edition. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. And don't forget to check out talkingcomicbooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And don't forget to check out Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, Bendis Assembled, the Ladies of Valhalla podcast. And of course, we're on Spotify now. So do the thing. Hit the button, follow us, whatever. Uh, you get all the podcasts on that channel. It's nice and convenient. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com on the old-fashioned emails. Joey Bracino. At Joey Bracino. Sarah. I am at Geek Country Lady everywhere that media is social. Do it. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus on the internet. So for Bob shark for Joey adios for Sarah. It is two hours past bedtime. Thank you for listening. Be excellent (laughs) to each other. And until next time on the talking comics podcast to be continued. Uh-huh.
Lock it in. One day we need to do a supercut of all of the after show music. Lock it in. Will that be before or after we record the Marvel musical that Joey and I are now going to write? God damn it. Like, that would be amazing. All of these Wouldn't actors that sing, get them in there, do yeah. it's Disney high school musical. It would be fantastic. Mm, mm, mm. Marvel musical. Do it. I've been Hugh, frozen the greatest showman for Jackman. so long. <laughs>